Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Report podcast. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. Our podcast is brought to you by Bell. Since 1935, Bell has been redefining flight. Learn more about its pioneering spirit at bellflight.com. And it is my honor to welcome as our guest today, French Air Force Lieutenant General Vincent Cousin, the Director of Operations for the French Air Force. Earlier in his career, he served as the Defense Attaché at the French Embassy in Washington, D.C. Sir, bienvenue, and thanks so very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's a, it's a uh, great uh, an honor and pleasure uh, as well. Before we get started, our global coverage is sponsored by Leonardo DRS. Northrop Grumman sponsors our weekly cyber report and our cyber coverage overall. Fincantieri Marinette Marine sponsors our naval coverage. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. And General Motors Defense sponsors our technology coverage. Sir, uh, the French Air Force is, is, is truly a global force uh, with uh, French units uh, deployed uh, in Europe. Uh, in the Middle East, in Africa, as well as across the Pacific. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the exercises you're conducting uh, in French Polynesia and why uh, they're so uh, important. Recently, we talked to Rear Admiral Marc Ossedat, who is commander of the French carrier uh, task group aboard their Charles de Gaulle. Um, the carrier returned to Toulon, but the Jean d'Arc that was sailing with uh, the Charles de Gaulle went on to the, to the Pacific. Talk to us a little bit about the exercises your jets are conducting in the region. Yes. Um, the operation we have uh, conducted in the French uh, uh, Polynesia uh, was named AFARA, and this operation consisted in, a, in the projection of a three fighter aircraft, Rafale, at uh, 17,200 kilometers uh, in less than 48 hours, um, followed uh, upon arrival uh, in Tahiti by uh, simulated conventional strikes with uh, cruise missiles, and uh, immediately after uh, landing uh, in Tahiti, um, we, we flew uh, high spectrum uh, operational activity, uh, which could be uh, long lasted uh, if, if need be. Um, this operation, uh, first, it's um, a generic demonstration of a sovereign uh, projection uh, of power. Uh, this is a, a generic demonstration to, to potential uh, competitors uh, in, the, in the region. Uh, we wanted to, to demonstrate that uh, France has the uh, ability to, uh, to intervene, to strike swiftly uh, if necessary. And uh, we could uh, uh, deploy uh, this three fighter aircraft uh, in uh, 40 hours uh, to Tahiti and uh, they could fly uh, after landing. They could take off uh, less than uh, 24 hours later in Tahiti to carry out uh, what we call uh, sovereign missions, such as uh, air defense mission, uh, DCA mission, which means uh, uh, the protection of uh, HVA, for instance. And uh, so uh, this operation was a generic demonstration first. Um, it is as well, uh, strategic um, message, uh, messaging in the Pacific region uh, to show uh, the determination of France to protect its citizens, its territories and uh, its uh, interests, wherever they are, uh, how far they are, uh, France is determined to protect uh, its interests, uh, specifically uh, in this region. And the, the second uh, message that uh, we wanted to, to convey with this operation is that uh, we are, France is determined to uh, guarantee the freedom of navigation in air and maritime uh, spaces. So this projection of air power 
uh, is part as well of this uh, determination uh, to guarantee the freedom of, of navigation in air and spaces. Um, and let me ask you uh, one uh, follow-up, which is uh, how many aircraft were involved? How many airmen uh, were involved? Um, and if you could give us kind of a, a breakdown of how many fighters, how many tankers, and, and how many transport aircraft, because you guys were bringing not just the logistical footprint, even though the Rafale has a very, very light logistical footprint as modern airplanes go, but you were also bringing the munitions and other capabilities. What was the footprint involved? Uh, the footprint... Uh... So we, for this first uh, operation, it was the first time we were doing uh, this kind of uh, demonstration. We had three uh, fighter aircraft, Rafale. We had two tankers and uh, we have two A400M. One of them uh, was uh, sent uh, ahead of time for a logistical uh, reason. And uh, it was uh, uh, a detachment made of uh, 150 people. Uh, we, they departed France for uh, two weeks, uh, flying almost uh, every day. And uh, when we were uh, in the Tahiti, uh, during three days, we flew uh, 25 sorties, uh, which is quite a, a good amount of, uh, of sorties uh, to include the, the tanker sorties uh, and the transport aircraft sorties because they were, they were part of the demonstration of uh, operational superiority that we wanted to, to show uh, from Tahiti. One of the key uh, priorities, obviously the French Air Force and the US Air Force has been very, very close, but it was about a decade ago uh, that there was a tripartite agreement between the US Air Force, the Royal Air Force and the French Air Force to uh, start to really get to a strategic uh, level of planning, uh, integration and interoperability. I know that there was a tripartite exercise recently, but there was also uh, an exercise where Rafale F3s from the French Air Force operated uh, with the F-22 uh, Raptor uh, in Hawaii. Talk to us a little bit about um, how these exercises are helping improve uh, interoperability to be able to deliver more potent future combat air power. Yes, so uh, as I just uh, said, this operation uh, AFAR, the production in uh, French Polynesia, uh, is, is a twofold operation. Uh, one, one leg of this operation is to, to demonstrate uh, national sovereign capability of projection. The other leg is to demonstrate that we are capable to, to work and to interact with our ally. And uh, during this projection, we first stopped by uh, Travis Air Force Base. And uh, we want to, to, to demonstrate that uh, we, we have to rely on uh, our allies to perform uh, this, uh, this mission. And coming back from French Polynesia, from uh, this uh, projection, we, we stopped by Hawaii because uh, we the, the aim of our uh, cooperation with the United States and uh, the Royal Air Force is to, to, to make sure that if we were to go at fight together, uh, it may be very swiftly and we have to be ready and we have to know uh, to which level, uh, to which extent we will be able to, to work together with different uh, equipments, different uh, aircraft, for instance. And uh, we, we have to know exactly uh, which, which level on, of interoperability we, we could get uh, if we were to go to fight uh, swiftly. So uh, we stopped by, um, the, currently the, the Rafale are uh, flying with the F-22s in uh, Hawaii and uh, to try to, to improve this uh, interoperability. 
And, and what are some of the lessons uh, you're learning? The F-22 uh, is a great platform. Uh, one of the challenges has been it was never really fully designed to integrate with other air assets, right? It was designed to operate a little bit uh, as a standalone. I know the U.S. Air Force has been working it. it. It's not as interoperable a jet, for example, as the F-35 is going to be, or actually that the Rafale is. Um, you know, talk to us about some of the lessons you're learning about integrating air power at the high end, uh, given uh, the capabilities of, of both of the platforms. Uh, yes, you're right. Uh, the, uh, the F-22 was not uh, F-22. Sorry, was not really designed to uh, interact with uh, other uh, aircraft. And uh, um, the the lessons learned we 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 got from uh, our last trilateral exercise in France and the lessons learned we are uh, getting in uh, Hawaii is uh, that uh, we we have differences in our tactics. Uh, uh, that we still have to, to harmonize. And uh, these differences are, are due to uh, our respective combat aircraft, which are different, and with some uh, cons technical constraints that we, we have to overcome uh, to make uh, a dialogue between, uh, a, te a technological dialogue between aircraft uh, to make it possible. We have to overcome some uh, uh, political constraints uh, from time to time or legal constraint to, to make sure that we have the appropriate level of uh, interoperability uh, uh, at fight. Um, so we, we, have, we have differences in terms of tactics and uh, we have to, to know first uh, what are our differences, to take them into account and uh, to, to make sure that uh, if we were to fight together on, on day one, we would be ready to do it. Um, what is, um... You know, these uh, exercise, interoperability has become a bit of a buzzword. Um, and it spans everything from deconfliction to joint planning to joint and integrated and seamless operations. I know uh, America, France, and Britain are working to that deeper degree of as seamless integration as, as we can. Talk to us about the deeper level you're trying to achieve and what's the roadmap to try to get there? Uh, given that there is a recognition that whether it's in Europe, whether it's in Africa, uh, whether it's in the Pacific, it will be these three air forces that are going to be in the forefront of any operation. Yeah. Uh, first, I would like to, to, to remind you that uh, we were able, able to strike uh, in Syria together. We had an uh, integrated uh, strike uh, with the United States and, uh, and uh, the Royal uh, Air Force. And uh, so... Uh, it was a, a, a proof that uh, the training we had together uh, was uh, efficient since we were able in a couple of days to integrate our different planning and to conduct uh, together this, uh, this mission, uh, the strikes over Syria. Uh, now, it, it depends uh, to which level you want to, to be uh, integrated. And uh, this is... Uh, what, what, what we have first, do we, we have to decide uh, together what kind of uh, interoperability to which uh, level, uh, which level we want to reach together to make sure that we will be uh, efficient uh, at fight. So for the planning, for the planning, it's not really uh, an issue. Uh, maybe there's a problem and we saw that uh, in uh, the, during the planning of the Syria uh, strike uh, is that you, you have to have, each country have to have uh, a green, a political green light, and uh, so if you don't get this green light, it's difficult to 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 move forward uh, in the planning process. And uh, 
So uh, we have to be ready, we have to be standardized uh, in terms of a planning process. Uh, so this is a, the first thing. Now, when uh, aircraft are flying, uh, we have to make sure that the, the crew uh, in flight uh, can talk uh, together. So here we come more in a, a technical uh, issues, uh, sometimes uh, political issues in terms of uh, authorization, legal author authorization to release uh, some uh, information on, on your uh, combat system to uh, other country. So here we, you are, we are entering a more um, uh, tactic problem, but sometimes this tactic problem can become a, a more uh, strategic problem in terms of uh, cooperation and uh, interoperability. Uh, do you think that we have a good roadmap for the technical interoperability, right? I mean, once you have the will, that's great. As you said, Syria went well. Are we where we need to be on the technical integration, especially as the F-35 comes online with a number of air forces across Europe that's going to be sort of the leading platform, right? I mean, Cobra Harigan, the USAFE commander, uh, is looking to have several hundred of those jets uh, in, in theater in, in just a few years across the board. Where are we on the technical integration piece of this to try to make it as seamless as possible? Yes, sir. we have made some progress uh, recently uh, in France because we we had this uh, trilateral exercise in France uh, uh, two weeks ago and uh, we it, it went well actually, but uh, we, we have to, to, to work on it still uh, to, to make sure that we we can uh, uh, get deeper into the, the dialogue between the, the combat system of our different aircraft. So we, we still have uh, some work to do and uh, we, 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 we have to find ways to, to, to work together because uh, uh, it, it doesn't make sense to, to, to work and to, to try to, to achieve uh, to carry out some uh, missions uh, if we are not able to, to do it from a technical standpoint. Uh, I, I'm stating a bit uh, the, the obvious here, but uh, we, uh, we, we still have some work to do uh, at the technical uh, level. And now I would like to, to, to come back to our different tactics. Uh, we, we have to make sure that we are familiar uh, each other. We are different tactics that uh, we have set up because uh, we have to, to, be, uh, to take into account our combat system. And if our combat system are different, we would do, we would perform different tactics. And uh, we, we have to get familiar each other's uh, with the way we, we would conduct uh, war with our uh, aircraft. Uh, the French Air Force, uh, the DGA and uh, Dassault are working on the F-4 version of uh, the Rafale, which will uh, include a lot of modernization efforts that have been ongoing on the jet. Does the interoperability, what, what's the capability difference as this new airplane comes online? And does, how much does it help on interoperability at a technical level? F-4 uh, Rafale would be a more, uh, uh, in, would have more integrated uh, sensors. Uh, uh, will be more uh, connected uh, with other uh, Rafale, and uh, we are integrated uh, new uh, capabilities, air to air, air to ground, and uh, this modern modernization uh, is important to, to us, obviously. But uh, we, at the same time, we this, this is what I mentioned uh, earlier. We have to make sure that this modernization uh, will be consistent. Uh, 
with the work we want to have uh, at the trilateral level with our uh, allies, the United States and uh, the United Kingdom. And uh, so it, it will help uh, because the capabilities will be better, uh, the connectivity will be better, so uh, it, it will help. But at the same time, the, the main constraints, I would say, are more uh, technical for sure, but uh, at the same time, since France is, is not part of the uh, Five Eyes community, we, we will have to overcome some maybe probably uh, political constraints at the policy level, uh, at, at the Pentagon, to to make sure that our aircraft still are still dialoguing uh, together. Uh, and, and I should point out to the audience that even though France isn't a Five Eyes partner, it's one of uh, the or it's it's in the next ring of uh, allies and partners in terms of uh, intelligence uh, integration and 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 sharing. Ideally, we would expand the Five Eyes to include France, Japan, and other. Uh, close to allies um, as necessary. Let me let me take you uh, to the question of how you know interoperability is critical. But Russia and China, for example, are working very very hard in the electromagnetic spectrum to complicate that interoperability, as we saw with Russian um, uh, operations. Uh, we've seen it in the Black Sea. We've seen it in the Baltic and and elsewhere uh, in proximity to Russian forces, even off Syria, where uh, there was a lot of jamming. How do we need to think differently to ensure that we can deliver air power as needed, despite uh, this degree of integrated cyber electromagnetic and space interference, given that those are the pipelines that we depend on to give us uh, the edge as allies? Um, first, uh, we have to think about two, two main uh, things. Uh, I would say uh, the first one is about the, the weapon. The, the weapons we we would use. Uh, I think we we have to think more about uh, standoff weapons uh, such as uh, uh, cruise missiles. But uh, at the same time, we we have to be better in terms of C two process. Uh, I mean that we are we have to be more robust, more resilient, and uh, what we are uh, trying to to do together uh, within NATO and within our trilateral uh, forum is to work on this uh, uh, robust uh, C2 um, that would be uh, more resilient to face uh, a very uh, aggressive uh, cyber environment. And uh, so uh, equipments and uh, C2 process is, uh, is the key to, to, to defeat uh, an environment uh, where the uh, uh, Access and denial uh, is very uh, is very important. Um, the the French Air Force has had a very busy uh, few decades, like many leading air forces, um, deployed to Afghanistan, across Africa. Barkhan is the uh, latest mission, and President Macron is looking already at the next mission. We discussed Syria, uh, as well as conducting air policing, uh, exercising worldwide, deterring uh, Russia. What are some of the operational lessons learned? that are shaping your approach to ConOps, to equipment, and to future strategy? What, how, is, how is air power, war fighting, and deterrence changing in this environment, and how are you changing as a result? You mentioned that we are, uh, the French Air Force is, uh, is fighting uh, in, a, in the Sahel Strip in Africa, is fighting in uh, Levant uh, within the uh, US-led co coalition. Uh, France is, uh, 
uh, flying uh, in the framework of reassurance in the NATO uh, framework for uh, air policing missions uh, in the Baltics. And to, to do that, uh, we I think we, we have a modern uh, Air Force, but at the same time, uh, to, to face all these challenges at the same time, uh, we are uh, working on a C2, uh, which is uh, done uh, in France. So we are working on a centralized command, uh, which can overlook uh, all the theaters where we are engaged in. And uh, this centralized command is made from uh, Lyon in France. Uh, and we have set up a, a center which is able to exercise this centralized command. And we would work uh, with a distributed control uh, using uh, different assets uh, in the field uh, as, a, as a relay. And uh, we want to, to improve our uh, resilience and to take advantage of uh, new technologies to, to work uh, that way from a, with a ridgeback principle. And for instance, uh, all the airstrikes in uh, the cell strip are planned and conducted from France, actually. And uh, we are doing that, doing that for five years now, and uh, it works pretty well. And uh, the operation we have conducted in the French Polynesia was uh, uh, commanded from France, actually. And the cruise missiles we have effectively released uh, in French Polynesia after 39 hours. Uh, the green political light came from France. Uh, and so we are very much using uh, this uh, ridgeback uh, uh, principle to uh, carry out the missions we we have given, we are given. Are, are air operations changing as a result of how our adversaries are posturing themselves in part because of their A2AD uh, capabilities? How do you think the, the, the game of, uh, or the art of delivering and science of delivering air power is gonna change? Or, or does it remain the same in this new environment? No, no, we, we have to, to adapt. Uh, we have to adapt to, at the same time to two uh, uh, main different uh, uh, threats. The, the first uh, threat we have to, to, to face is a, a state uh, threat. Uh, and at the same time, we, we have to defeat uh, terrorist networks. Uh, and the, this uh, threat is more diffused and it's more... Uh, Global and we have uh, more and more, and that's what we are uh, trying to to achieve, and what we have achieved when we have projected uh, air power in French uh, Polynesia, is to work on the multi-domain process. So you 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 have to have this capability to integrate all the domains, uh, all the fields such as uh, cyber, space, uh, information operations electronic warfare uh, at the same time in the processes, you have to, to, to switch from uh, uh, consideration that your, your enemy is more global uh, and you, you have to have this uh, global approach uh, when you are planning and when you are conducting uh, missions. Uh, the, the balance of power uh, with with your enemy is uh, is not only the uh, a ratio between a number of aircraft. Uh, it's a 
it's more a, a global power that you you have to look at deeply in each domain cyber space and all the the domains that uh, we are we, which which became uh, uh fighting domains actually the, the french air force has long been uh, an intellectual and operational innovator. And the concept of the combat cloud is a game-changing uh, concept that Denis Mercier, when he was chief uh, of the French Air Force, came up with, operationalized uh, in, uh, op in operations in Africa, as I recall, over Mali, uh, and effectively served as a bit of a model for the JADC2 concept in the United States, right? How do you get into a multi-domain command and control system? What are some lessons that France has learned in this process that could help the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. military as it works to get to this better, secure, resilient, interconnected future. Uh, I, actually, I think we we will not really help uh, the United States Air Force. I think they are uh, ahead of uh, of us in this uh, in this area. Uh, actually, uh, what is what is important to us is to is to share our thoughts, our experience. And uh, uh, for instance, uh, this uh, projection uh, of a French Polynesia, uh, during this projection, we have um, run uh, this multi-domain process. Uh, it was the first time that we, we have done that. Uh, and uh, we, I think we are on the same uh, uh, sheet of paper, I would say, um, with the United States Air Force. Uh, since we are sharing the same principles that we 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 have to have a centralized command, a distributed control, and a decentralized uh, execution, uh, I think this this principle this principle sorry is shared uh, is and it proved to be uh, to be quite efficient so far, and this will help to be more resilient uh, since we especially with the principle of distributed control when you use all your assets uh, or as many assets as, as you can to use them as a C2 center. So it will uh, make our process more resilient in terms of uh, cyber. And if your uh, centralized command is collapsing for a reason or another, you will have other C2 to, to still carry out the mission and to be uh, to remain in line with the political guidance and uh, the uh, operational course of action uh, that that came from this political guidance uh, and, and let me ask you one last question uh, back to the polynesia uh, deployment um, what were some of the key lessons uh, learned right so uh, an exercise like this obviously demonstrates national resolve sovereignty um, the, the flexing of the muscle and the demonstration of capability but there were also lessons learned what are the lessons learned from this deployment? And what's next as the French Air Force uh, gets, gets, uh, sh continues to sharpen its ability to deliver air power anywhere in the world very quickly, but also in greater mass? Yes, uh, the, the main lessons learned is that we, we were able to, to do this, uh, this operation uh, as it was planned. And so we achieved our goal to demonstrate that we have a generic uh, capability to, to strike uh, everywhere our interest would be uh, threatened. Uh, we were able to, to convey this uh, strategic messaging and uh, we were able to demonstrate that this projection is part of the 
strategic deterrence dialogue through a flexible, reversible, visible, and modular course of action. And we were able to demonstrate uh, our operational superiority once in theater, since we, we flew less than uh, 20 hours after landing in French Polynesia, we flew sovereign missions such as air defense, the destruction of enemy air defense, uh, interdictions, and ISR mission. So we were able to do that. And at the same time, uh, we were able to demonstrate for the first time that the overall mission, this operation, was um, follow, followed very closely as a political, uh, could be followed at the political level very closely from France. So it was uh, these demonstrations that we, we wanted to, to, to do. And uh, I think it was a, quite a, a good, uh, a good success and this uh, has been the opportunity for the French Air Force to demonstrate that the new equipments, tankers, uh, the new uh, transport aircraft, uh, the Air 400M and the Rafale uh, uh, allow the French Air Force to carry, carry out uh, such a such mission. And the, the way we're at now is to, to look at how we can deploy a larger detachment for a longer period of time. And we have to, to, to make sure that uh, in the Pacific region, uh, if we were asked, we, we have, and I come back to the point on the uh, interoperability with the United States, uh, we, we have to make sure that we, we could integrate uh, our forces uh, at the best level uh, required to, to achieve the, the mission where we could be asked in, uh, in this region. Sir, thanks so very, very much for joining us. Really uh, appreciate it. And uh, hope you have a very uh, happy uh, Bastille Day, Joyeux Bastille, and uh, look forward to uh, meeting uh, with you in person uh, next time. Thank you. Thank you very much. And now a word from our sponsor, retired United States Army Major General Jeff Schlosser, who is the Executive Vice President for Strategic Pursuits at Bell. We've been building creative and innovative aircraft, next generation types of capabilities for almost nine decades. Bell is the company that can deliver that. Thanks very much, sir. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please follow our daily podcasts and visit the Defense and Aerospace Report website to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook at Defense and Aerospace Report and check us out on LinkedIn and stay tuned for our weekly cyber report sponsored by Northrop Grumman. Thanks again to Bell for their generous sponsorship and we'll see you again tomorrow.